0: hey everyone welcome to the sword and laser i'm veronica belmont
1: you know me i'm tom Merritt.
0: do i do i really know you
1: do any of us know any of us (laughs) good question
0: but anyway sword and laser is a book club you do know that Uh, but it's so much more we bring you author interviews news from the world of science fiction and fantasy and of course awesome discussions from fans just like you
1: There's lots of ways as a consumer of Sword and Laser uh, to support the show. You can send us email. You can post on Goodreads. You can actually give us money. Our show is entirely funded by patrons, people who get value out of the show and say, you know what? I'll give a little value back. We only ask for like a dollar a show if that Go to patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Thanks to everybody who backs the show. Uh, if you'd like to support the show that way, head to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash swordandlaser. And, and even if it's just like a dollar once a month, uh, every little bit helps. We appreciate it. A-
0: absolutely. We are trying to do much more with the show. And of course, we really appreciate your contributions. Uh, but let's jump right into what are we drinking, Tom?
1: I... I'm having a Jameson Select Reserve Black Barrel Whiskey. Mm. Mm.
0: Very fancy. What is the difference between typical Jamesons and the Black Label Reserve? Well, Black Barrel Reserve. Sorry. Yeah,
1: it's a higher quality. It's it's a little smoother, I can say. Uh, otherwise, it, it tastes kind of like Jameson, probably a little more flavorful. And my wife got it because she does things for people and they give her liquor. In because she
0: loves you and then she gave it to you.
1: No, she just put it in the shelf, and then I drank some.
0: And then she hid it from you, and you found it.
1: (laughs) I found it in the toilet. No, no, no. (laughs) It's in the liquor cabinet. And She she works at YouTube, if anybody doesn't know. I should disclose that, I guess. And uh, sometimes when she does products, people give her little thank you things. And that was one of the things that she got. And it's really delicious.
0: I don't know if that's a thing you need to disclose. YouTube doesn't give us any money.
1: No, but we cover, what, do we cover YouTube? I guess we don't cover YouTube on this show. I disclose it on Daily Tech News Show all the time. You're going into yeah,
0: you're t- going into journalism mode and and uh, you don't have to it worry about journalism that here, Tom. People. This is a safe place for non journalists. I <laughs> am um, drinking a Hendrix gin and tonic. Um, I particularly enjoy Hendrix gin. It's a little more herbal Great. than a typical gin. It's has uh, got a nice flavor to it. Um, so yeah, I thought it'd be nice and refreshing. And it's kinda of the drink of the month for the vaginal fantasy pick. Oh, okay. Um, so I thought that would be, you know, On the rocks I better I better get used to neat? it. Uh, on um, the rocks. Do people rocks. drink gin and tonics neat?
1: I don't is it, know. I does assume. Does it count pe- as
0: neat if it's. People do
1: crazy things. So, but you have gin, you have tonic in there. It's not neat. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was going to say, I, can I you drink a. I missed the tonic a, part. I, sorry about that. Yeah. Because
0: I think you would mean like up. Because that would be without ice, right? No, that would be in a, in, no, a, in a, in that glass. In the glass yeah. that is a so fancy you have Cosmo glass. gin and
1: tonic on rocks. Got it. Totally. I don't know why I didn't hear you say tonic. Um. You should put a cucumber in it.
0: I don't have any I, of those. I hate cucumbers.
1: Hendrix gin apparently goes very well with a cucumber.
0: No, that's true. I'm, I'm, I like cucumbers and cocktails. I just don't keep them around the house
1: or if evil things. If you like things. it, then you should have put a cucumber in it.
0: If you like it, then you should have put a <laughs> cucumber on it. If you like it, that doesn't even make no, any mm, sense.
1: Yeah, no. And hey. if it does, it might make the wrong kind of sense.
0: Hey, you know what we should talk about? Quick burns. The quick burns.
1: So these come from you. Exceedingly thankful every time we put a show together that you guys are so good at covering the news of the week. (laughs) They're Uh, the journalists, Tom. I mean, seriously, like I I mark things to put in here and the ones that I'm most excited about, you always have. Like Yento, for instance, uh, pointed out that the new trailer for The Expanse, which is the sci-fi TV series based on The Expanse series of books that started with Leviathan Wakes by James S. A. Corey. Yento says, I'm trying so hard not to get too excited about it because sci-fi <laughs> but this looks like it could be pretty good and I have to agree Yento so I watched this and was so excited I am a big fan of the books these characters are live in my mind and it looked like they had jumped out on tv the only thing that's funny i put on twitter uh yes 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 just to be funny and then i put miller looks a little thin yes 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 because i imagine him as more of a film noir stockier guy totally stocky james sa Corey of all people at replies me after i post that and goes don't forget he's a belter the Mm. belters are notoriously a little taller a little thinner than the earth people So true, okay, makes sense.
0: I think also when the author tells you that,
1: you're like, okay, fine.
0: I I still, (laughs) I still, James S.A. Corey, feel like his shoulders should be a little broader, he should be just a little bit more imposing. But you're right, that is what a belter is supposed to look like. Yeah, so we'll we'll let it slide. Version
1: of stocky, we'll let it
0: slide. Uh, You know, I felt like it looked a little too bright. Um, this might be a cinematography thing, like, I just feel like it. I always envisioned the world to be a lot darker and grittier, and maybe they'll get into that. But it feels well, kind of like—that's
1: <laughs> what you know. I've I wondered about that myself. Like, are they shooting this bright, or are we just seeing a lot of things from the first episode where things might be a little brighter? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I imagine we're not on the Rosinante yet uh, mm-hmm. in most of that stuff. I, at least I don't. I didn't think I caught sight, except for maybe one exterior shot of it. So, yeah.
0: Is the guy who plays Mike from Breaking Bad, is he going to be in the show a lot, or does he go pretty fast?
1: Do you want me to tell you that? No. Okay.
0: (laughs) Because I don't know what character he plays, so I don't... you read Leviathan Wakes, right? I did.
1: I did. Uh, I'm going to... Let me double check to make sure I'm not getting it wrong.
0: No, don't worry about it. No spoilers. We don't want to spoil people for the show already. Okay. also coming soon, uh, we've got the, uh, the adaptation of The Man in the High Castle. Both Louis and Israel alerted us to this io9 post. Uh, the first footage has been released. Actually, a fair amount of footage. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, um, the
1: entire first episode is up uh, on the Amazon.com pilot page, and I've watched mm-hmm. it twice. What do you think? I love it.
0: You love it. So you oh, are, as, as everyone knows it. who watches the show or listens to the show, Tom is a massive uh, PKD fan. And so, you know, I, I, you were I a little worried about that because I'm not
1: very trivia master on Philip K. Dick. There are bigger fans than me. But, yeah, I do adore Philip K. Dick's works. And Man in the High Castle is my favorite novel of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, always the thing I list as my favorite novel when people ask me what my favorite sci-fi novel is. I was worried about this, honestly. But uh, it, you
0: feel good about it?
1: They made changes. It's produced by Ridley Scott. It's not directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, and they did make changes, but I like all the changes. The changes are enough to keep it interesting, but still capture the spirit of the book. Uh, and one thing that I think is non-spoilery, although if you're a spoiler purist, you don't want to know this, so close your ears. But uh, it's not really spoilery to to the show as a whole there is a book in the book man in the high castle called the grasshopper lies heavy and in the tv pilot they change it to a newsreel which i i love that because the book is is an important element and when you're reading a book and about a book, you you get a neat feeling of like, oh, I'm reading the book about the book. So when you're watching the TV show, they preserve that feeling because I'm watching a TV show, not about a book, though, about a newsreel. So that's kind of cool.
0: That is cool. All right. So it's on the Amazon pilot page now. So you can go check that out. When is the rest of the series due to go live?
1: They never give us any like hard and fast rules because I think they want to keep it pretty flexible. Mm-hmm. But it is universally being praised. So I can't imagine it doesn't get green It green-lighted uh and i believe if I, if i'm right transparent was on the pilot page last february and it went on to amazon as a full series i think in august so hopefully by the you know late by the fall we should be hmm. able to see this cool i would like that Dara wrote in a post that (laughs) Sci-Fi is adapting another book. They're really into adapting books, says Dara. Now they're turning Robert Charles Wilson's Spin into a miniseries. Now, I am embarrassingly unfamiliar with Spin, but it is a Hugo Award winner. And the the adaptation is being written by uh, the guy who wrote Fight Club and Jumper, Jim Oles.
0: Yeah, I don't know anything about this series, and that is kind of embarrassing. I guess we just get caught up in the books that we're reading sometimes, and we miss these these big ones. Um, too many but books. Too many books. <laughs> oh, Tom, we need to do a yes. joke version of that song. <laughs> that would be great. Um yeah, so Spin that is about is... a scientist
1: named Tyler Dupree, who is trying to save the world from a mysterious black membrane that has surrounded the planet and cut it off from the rest of the solar system. I'm in. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, sure.
0: <laughs> why not? I'm just happy sci-fi is, you know, really getting, getting this, putting the sci-fi back in sci-fi, as yeah, they say. Yeah, we're
1: getting a lot of sci-fi on TV, and it's been, a, it's been a while. We've talked about that before. So lots of stuff being done. Maybe not all of it's going to stick, but uh, we're getting some real science fiction. No, I'm, t- I'm totally
0: into people it. People
1: call Leviathan Wakes space opera, uh, and I can see why they do that sometimes. I don't feel like space opera is a pejorative term, which some people do, That's but dumb. there's a lot of good science underpinning Leviathan Wakes and the Expanse series. So
0: just so, wait, so they don't even consider it, they have to still consider it science fiction, right? Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's there's dumb. The,
1: there's the science fiction fans who are like, it's not, shouldn't really be science fiction unless it's very science based. Oh, right? Get the whole, out of my face. Right? And get then there's the space, my the space fantasy slash space opera crowd where space opera began as sort of, I was just reading the uh, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe book, and, they, and he talks about how Jules Verne and, and H.G. Wells fought over whether it was space opera or science fiction, because Vern was very science-based and H.G. Wells was science-based too, but he played a little faster and looser in, in service of a good story.
0: Guys, take your head out of your butts. Who cares?
1: Are you a Jules Verne fan or an H.G. Wells fan? I guess or I'm like a Jules Verne
0: fan. It's all Both. sci-fi.
1: I Both. like all of it.
0: Oh, oh! I thought I had to choose. That wasn't fair. You told yeah. me I had to
1: choose. Well, you choose. You chose. Now it's too late.
0: I choose. I totally choose. choose. <laughs> Something we don't have to choose is whether or not we're going to be reading the uh, sequel to Ready Player One. Which I hope will be called Ready Player Why, 2 Because We'll
1: be legally, it will be legally obligated to.
0: <laughs> that was one of the worst segues I've ever done. But There's I'm okay no choice. With it.
1: You're reading a sequel to Ready Player One if it. You comes don't out. have
0: to make that choice. Um, yeah, Zach Penn, who's uh, doing the adaptation for Ready Player One, um, revealed that uh, Ernest Cline is working on a sequel. Um, which is like that's kind of a big reveal. I would, I would say. I don't know I how a top how secret that was. Feels about that. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know how secret that was. Like maybe. It wasn't well, I would have ex- assumed
1: that that he was, you know, at some point. Yeah. Anyway, the quote is Ernie's working on a sequel to it. And it is one of those great ideas that has endless possibilities. And to a certain extent, the longer it exists and the more Ernie thinks about it, the more he comes up with Sounds Okay. Like George R. R. Martin sounds like he knows that a sequel is happening for sure um well and he's right he's doing the screen like as you mentioned he's doing the screenplay adaptation so he's probably in constant contact with ernie about it
0: well i'm going to be um uh depressed if it's not called ready player 2 it has to be called (laughs) that right i mean they really just have to call it that
1: kind of does he kind of does right he can do whatever he wants he's the author but I feel like I want it to be called that.
0: Maybe we'll name this episode Ready Player Two and that'll get it in his mind that it's to go to mouthfeel. He'll be feel.
1: legally obligated to do it so he can sue us. There you go.
0: <laughs> no, so we can sue him <laughs> wait, when, wait, he names, yes. Yes, when he names <laughs> his book. Even better.
1: Nobody's we'll getting have... sued. Nobody's suing any. Everybody calm down. <laughs>
0: I got all excited because uh, we could really use the money, but I'm just
1: saying. <laughs> Actually, the Patreon's doing pretty well. Thanks, yeah. everybody. Uh, David wrote uh, that Galantz have acquired the English translation and publication rights to three further Witcher books by Polish fantasy author... How do you pronounce this?
0: Oh, really? Huh? Really, Tom? Veronica? You're going to make me... Andrzej... Andres Sapau, Andrzej Sap. sapkowski
1: Sapkowski. sapkowski sapkowski Um, sapkowski Sapkowski. andre it's andre anyway it's via the word zone so maybe we should go ask it! damn it uh so yeah anyway you want more witcher novels glance is gonna uh, publish them so more novels in translation to english which for us english speakers is a great thing
0: and uh so uh, let's call him um no i'm not i was gonna try to that's awful god veronica why do you have to be so american centric asap um, i was no i was gonna try to make his name easier to say but that's terrible that is the worst thing to do i'm so sorry that i even had you that were gonna thought in ellis island him exactly my family was ellis islanded did, apparently did, that's did,
1: a did. myth io9 had a story about how like ellis island didn't change anybody's name
0: baloney People just changed that is, it later and then blamed family? ellis island that is my family history they can't take that away from me
1: there was no LS you can't take that away from me
0: io9 hey
1: well you just go have a chat with charlie and
0: i will ben. i will oh you will. i will i'm coming I don't i'm think gonna charlie say
1: jane wrote that one yeah
0: but... i don't think she came up with that idea anyway anyhow let's move on to bear your sword which is our feedback from the audience
1: yeah. Uh, Steve's got a meaty post. It's a good one. You should go uh, watch it. Uh, watch it. You should read it. Uh, he is talking about dislodging the movie from the book. And he talks about having to reread the Fellowship of the Ring. Hasn't read it in roughly 10 years. And now that he's seen the movie, he can't get Elijah Wood out of his head when he's talking about Frodo, when he's reading Frodo. Uh, he finds the opposite to be true sometimes too. For instance, Game of Thrones, he's constantly subconsciously comparing what is happening on the screen. Screen to the book and anticipating what happens next, then being slightly disappointed when it doesn't turn out as he had imagined it. Does anyone else struggle with this? Any tips on decoupling the movies from the books in your mind, or should I resign myself to experiencing stories in one medium only as to at least have one untainted version of a story?
0: Um. Yeah, you know, I guess this has happened to me before. Um, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure it has. I don't think I've really bothers me all that much I think I can kind of keep the two separated though sometimes I think now all right well let's go into the to the outlander example for for example um now that I've seen the show Going back and reading the next books, I do picture the characters looking the way they look on the show. That's not a problem for me. I think it's actually kind of helpful. Um, But if you have already read a book and you've pictured people totally differently and then you see them on the show and it's kind of like it messes with your head a little bit, um, I can understand that. But I think experiencing them as two separate works is possible. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I don't mind it. In fact, Brian Brushwood and Justin Robert Young and I will constantly debate this. They feel like it, you always should see the video version of something first and then read the book, partly for this reason, right? So that so mm-hmm. that you're not having these combating expectations and the book will only expand on things. It'll rarely contract, uh, so you won't feel cheated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that. I like to read the book first so that I can establish what I think about the universe without being affected by what I see on the screen. Uh, for instance, Tyrion, to me, still, when I think Tyrion, the image that pops up into my mind, even after so many seasons of Game of Thrones on HBO, is John Reese Davies slash Gimli <laughs> from Lord of the Rings modified. Like, really? without a nose, for instance. But he's but too yeah. old. Well, no, but I mean, that's what I mean, modified. Like, mm. that was my template for thinking of Tyrion. So, a kind of a younger maybe even a little bit slimmer, but ugly, dwarfish character, uh, is how I think of Tyrion. And of course, when I watch the show, I'm like, oh yeah, that's not what uh, he looks like at all in the show. But even so, it has not replaced that picture in my mind somehow.
0: Mm. Uh, Yeah, I think, interesting. I think I would probably be picturing Tyrion from the show now.
1: What did you picture before the show, though?
0: I don't remember. You know, this is a problem I actually have on Vaginal Fantasy a lot because we do casting for the books and in every episode. And every episode, I'm like, I don't know what the character looks like. So it's very difficult for me to think about what the actor who would play them would be um, because I think I just kind of picture them in like this amorphous... Uh Uh-huh. I don't really have a hard example of what they look like. They're just kind of the character in a cloud. I don't know how to explain it better.
1: I think that's the key. I think that's the key differential. If you're somebody like Steve, my guess is you really picture the people you're reading about. Mm -hmm. And so it conflicts. Whereas, I I mean, I, I gave you a much more deep description of my picture of Tyrion than probably I actually had when I began reading the books. Because, yeah, often I don't have a very distinct picture of the person. I kind of have a vague idea. Mm-hmm. And so when I watched, like, when Harry Potter came out, I was like, oh, yep, that's kind of what I thought Harry looked like. That's close. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, that's Hermione. Why not? Same thing with The Expanse. When I look at that, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Mm, Miller looks different than I was imagining him, but yep, yep, yep. every you know And when he's different, like I said, skinnier because I wasn't thinking belter enough, probably. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I don't have a very defined version where if you show me a different one, I'm going to go, "Oh yeah, no, that's so wrong."
0: They would have to be like you just said, so different from what I from the amorphous blob in my mind for like me Tyrion to have, really have an, an as opinion. A
1: tall blonde woman. Like if, if
0: Chris Helmsworth totally was woman. word cast as Tyrion, I would be like, "What?" I think Chris anyone Hem- oh, probably. Thor? Yeah. Chris you know like something like that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly you'd be like no come on that is well, not
0: but i mean that would just be common sense that was a stupid example but you know what i mean like it would have to be right, so right. outside no, good, the a, it's realm it's the
1: extreme example that illustrates the point i get it yeah.
0: mm-hmm. um so yeah there's i i think i just don't i don't really get that picture in my mind um so i don't have that problem but i can see go, why folks. other people just would
1: don't think about what you're reading like we don't <laughs> just don't. And you'll be fine
0: Just don't think about it at all. It really doesn't matter. Just You know, don't even read the words. Just like glance Uh, at them.
1: Yeah, it's fine. um, But there you go. I mean, we get we threw out a lot of options. You'll have to try the ones that work for you. There's a lot of good discussion about this in the Goodreads thread as well.
0: Totally. And then we have another thread from Jonathan who posts about long, big series to fill the gap left by the Wheel of Time. He says, I finally finished reading the Wheel of Time. It's taken me 21 months to get through the whole thing, and now I'm trying to find a new book series of a similar size, both in terms of book length and series length, to replace it in my reading list. Um, I'd prefer a sci-fi series because my shelf's getting a little lopsided with all the fantasy stuff I've been reading, but it's not an absolute must. Any help on this would be great.
1: John recommends all of the Tarzan series or the Barsoom series mm-hmm. from Edgar Rice Burroughs, mm-hmm. which if you want to get a little background on what made Star Wars what it is, that's a good place to start. Uh, he also says first three foundation books, uh, lengthy newer stuff. He recommends Kim Stanley Robinson's Mars trilogy. Uh, well, so
0: All right. So the Wheel of Time is 14 books
1: right yeah. now. So Ooh, that's a uh, lot of books, fourteen Joe books. Informatico says Lois McMaster bujols for saga. That's pretty good.
0: That's a great, great that's two one. Dozen.
1: So you're you're you've got you're a pretty, nice long run.
0: You're pretty good on that. Um yeah. yeah, man. That's that's tough because it's not just the length, it's the sheer number of books mm-hmm. um that really does and, it. And
1: quality, right? Mm-hmm. You need something that's that's good too.
0: Um, you know, you could get into Robin Hobb. I mean, the trilogy of trilogies she's got with the, that starts with Assassin's Apprentice. Um, that goes, you know, nine books. And then there's the new series that she just started. So there's another, there's 10 books total out right now, um, in that series. Um, so that's, that's a potential, potential one that you could jump into. Um,
1: there's a lot of good recommendations in here. Peter Hamilton uh a Mas lot the book of the fallen
0: series uh totally gene wolf solar cycle kenneth Definitely. recommends which is a lot of books uh dune oh. michelle recommended dune and that was another one i was going to say because the dune series is pretty pretty well, intense there's Six
1: frank herbert books and then if you want to venture out into the brian herbert uh and kevin anderson books then you've got a lot more mm-hmm. i was going to say joe abercrombie now it's not the the number yet uh, but the First Law Trilogy also has those ancillary books. So I think there's six total in the yeah.
0: universe. Uh, yeah. It's just not that long. Like, I just don't think it's long enough for what he's looking for. Mm. Um, mm.
1: Yeah, maybe not. And he moved to Half a King now, so he, he says he might. I, I think I read that he he would like to go back to the First Law at some time, but...
0: Really, cause I kind of remember him saying that he was kind of done with that oh, really? world. Did I have yeah, that but wrong? maybe I, no,, I, I yeah, don't remember. I feel like he said he was done, but I could just be making that up.
1: Six isn't enough,
0: yeah, but there's just so many options all out there.
1: The Philip K. Dick books as if they're in a series.
0: there you go. Or all the Terry Pratchett books as if they're in a series. They, which they are kind those of. those actually
1: are, yeah. Not yes, all the K. Dick's are in the same universe, but Pratchett's are. For the
0: most part is in all of the same universe, yeah. yeah. So that that could be done. They're shorter books. Oh, that, but that's
1: actually a really good, just, just go Discworld.
0: I'm, go I'm doing off the, Discworld. I, I can't explain the motion I'm making right now because not only do you have to see it, you also have to get the meme that I'm referencing, which is, fuck you, I'm an anteater. <laughs> um so maybe i'll make that the album cover for this episode so everyone gets it
1: yeah um i see i thought you were reaching out to embrace all of Discworld, but no no
0: no, fuck no, you i'm a nanny yeah, just cursing an on ant. the show need gonna yeah. need the uh the what's it called the tag the explicit tag for this <laughs> episode i that. forgot to put that into um hey
1: we're gonna be welcoming a new it's. member of the team as our editor you can just add bleep it
0: yeah. All right. I'll get I'll get Jacob to bleep everything.
1: <laughs> Yay! By the way, welcome to the team, Jacob. Bleep this. Yeah.
0: Find all my swear words and bleep them out, and then go back to <laughs> Daniel H. Wilson's interview and bleep out all his swear words too, and add the explicit tag.
1: <laughs> Cause that he snuck amazing. a few
0: in there. I just let it slide. It's fine. We're all grown ups here for the most part. Should we hop into book discussion?
1: Yeah, let's do. Um, so just. To let people know, uh, before we get into the book's discussion, because it is going to be spoilery, we are going to announce next month's pick. It is a sword pick, so it's Veronica's pick. What are we reading next month, Veronica?
0: We are reading Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. It is the um, first book in the Southern Reach trilogy, um, which I've been wanting to read for a really long time. Um, It's kind of... I don't really know how to qualify it. Like, It's not really... I don't really feel like it's fantasy. I'm not really sure where it fits in. Is it sci-fi? I think it's 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 post-apocalyptic. Did it's you pick dystopian. a sci-fi book?
1: For I maybe accidentally l-
0: picked a sci-fi book, Way but to I really go. I really want to read this.
1: <laughs> Area X has been cut off from the rest of the continent for decades. Nature has reclaimed the last vestiges of human civilization. The first expedition returned with reports of a pristine Edenic landscape. The second second expedition ended in mass suicide.
0: Whoa. And the, the third, third expedition, expedition ended in a
1: hail of gunfire.
0: As its members turned on one another.
1: The so, 11th expedition returned as shadows of their former selves.
0: All right. So it's kind of, it's maybe a sci-fi book, but that's okay. You guys, we're flexible with this stuff, right? There's
1: another anthropologist in this one for you anthropology fiction fans.
0: Yeah. See, so it's kind of it like. Actually,
1: now that I'm looking at this, the group is made up of four women, anthropologist, surveyor, psychologist, and the leader our narrator is a biologist. It, there's some similarities to the sparrow. Mm.
0: Well, maybe it'll be good a good companion piece.
1: Yeah,
0: I've just wanted to. Uh, I've run to read this for a while, and I've keep people keep asking me if I've read it. So I finally just got sick of saying no. <laughs> Although the first review on this page is this book is a trick. You will be unsatisfied. So oh, okay, no. that's just one Amazon review. I'm not going to judge it too too harshly, uh, but we'll see. How I many think stars be, does it get though? It has four out of five stars.
1: Oh, okay. Four hundred fifty four reviews. That's not bad. Yeah,
0: that's not bad. Right. That's most people satisfied, I would say. We'll um, formally
1: kick that off next episode. Um mm-hmm. so keep an eye out for that. It is available on all formats ebook, audible, and uh print. I, I think don't... I might audible
0: this one. I think I'm gonna audible it because I've got three books that I need to blurb in the next like two months, so I need to start reading other things as well.
1: <laughs> Humble Greg,
0: because I'm kind of a big deal now, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say.
1: <laughs> it is also available on Downpour.com. I don't know what that means. Downpour is a DRM-free uh, audiobook service that I mentioned. I think the last episode, and I've been reading How Star Wars Conquered the Universe using downpour the app is more limited than the audible app because they haven't been at it as long Mm -hmm. but i'm really enjoying it and it means that i can take that mp3 i could put it in my podcast player i could put it wherever i want because there's no drm on it
0: all right well uh gregory fitzgerald wants to know when the february book was going to be chosen so gregory it is going to be annihilation by jeff (laughs) vandermeer so Mic drop. You got your question answered on the show. And if you're watching live, you can also continue to ask us questions, and we will answer them live on the show. So there's that. But let's um, jump into our wrap-up of January's book, which was The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. I um, feel like there were a lot of conflicting opinions about this book, which is, you know, somewhat typical, I think, in in most book picks. We get people who like it or people who don't sure, or people who are kind of, of, you know, it can go both ways. Um Man, I was really this book was a bummer, dude. I gotta I gotta just put that out there. It was a a bummer of a book. I mean, it was good. It was a really good book. And it it kept me coming back night after night. I wanted to know what happened next. I was really invested in the characters. And then they all just died. They all died. All the characters Uh, died. They all died.
1: Well, except for Sandoz.
0: Except for Emilio. And I got and totally spoiled for the next book, so I already know that someone who we thought died didn't die. I will, that's all I'll say about that.
1: What's interesting is she pulled off something that I think is very difficult. You know they're dead at the beginning of the book. Because right. Sandoz is the only one who comes back. You know that he had something horrible happen to him because he's post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Mm-hmm. He's He's like definitely not okay. Uh, and and you very quickly, as they do the flashbacks, realize that he has changed tremendously. He wasn't always like, he wasn't like right. he was close to being, you know, losing his faith. Uh, and so, or not losing his faith, like shutting down as a person. So you know this is coming, and yet I like you when you get to the end, I'm devastated.
0: Well, I think, and we'll get to this shortly when we get to one of our uh, user submitted uh, articles about it. But yes, yeah, so you do know everything is going to happen. You know that something terrible happens. You don't know how it happens or why. But then I think you kind of keep thinking that maybe he's wrong. I always yeah. had it in the back of my hoping, head during right? the whole story that at the end of the book, they'd be like, oh, but just kidding, Anne and George and all of them, they actually got on another shuttle and they weren't really dead the whole time. They're and here, sh- yay, Amelia. She makes you
1: love <laughs> these characters. It's rude. She makes you love these characters and then just dispenses with them. Mm-hmm. And and some of the deaths are just, you know, like Anne's particularly, they're just almost meaningless. Like, and just totally off by a, you know whatever they whatever you call the the A bandits. rogue poacher
0: yeah. yeah and i that was totally how i feel because you're like oh like um what's his face uh jay what was the what was the the guy who who was dying of the illness the mysterious illness
1: oh the uh the father the, superior yeah
0: i can't remember his name right now i'm sorry i'm blanking um, on
1: his name now.
0: dw it, dw dw um so when dw when they get to the end of that chapter. And you're like, well, you know, oh, DW passed away very suddenly. They didn't expect him to die. That's so sad. And then they're like, actually, no, he didn't die from this mysterious illness. He and Han were killed at the same time in a violent and horrible way. Yeah. And you're just like, what? What?
1: That came out of left... What are you talking about? And and the last time... And you get... She's so good. You get the same feeling because the last time you saw her in the book, she was fine. She was Mm -hmm. hopeful. She was doing great. And then you never get a chance to say goodbye. She's just dead.
0: Ugh, that was awful. And then there's just the massacre at the end with like everyone else just being killed.
1: (laughs) Because they tried to
0: stand up for the... um, for for the, the children, the babies.
1: And I and- think one of the things she does well is creates a to me anyway, believable alien culture mm-hmm. that we we you you know that the humans are running afoul of it because it just doesn't fit our morality. It doesn't right. fit how we're done. But it isn't necessarily immoral or wrong in context. Right, She gives you biological and anthropological reasons that are very sound for why society is the way it is. We have plenty of, of animal groups that operate under these exact same principles. The only difference is they haven't gained sentience, or at least not what we would think of normally as sentience. They haven't gained the level of intelligence and sentience that humans have. But there's no reason to think that if they didn't, they wouldn't just continue the same way. And then you have... You have this. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, How do you feel, though, there were a lot of discussions on the forums about the likelihood of these people being chosen to go on an expedition to outer space, that it was the Jesuits that build the ship and somehow (laughs) secretly, apart from all the world governments, are able to go out and send the first mission to there are the some new things planet. you
1: have to swallow. One of them is that the papal states, <laughs> which don't exist, the Vatican City certainly has enough money, but would have enough uh, influence to bring enough science to bear to secretly launch a ship. I, I, I don't disbelieve that it's possible for an organization of some kind to secretly launch a ship like this. You know, I think they could they they could it would be difficult, but I think they could pull it off under wraps. Like we like to think, oh, rockets are big and loud. someone would notice eh, a big planet. You could find a place to launch this and no one would know about mm-hmm. the The question would be, could you keep everyone involved in it secret? because you'd have to have a lot of people involved. And I do think you that's though, do the you more think that they could thing. launch
0: a rocket and none none of the world powers would notice. I think they would notice. I think
1: they would notice, but I think it's plausible that they would then go, wait, who launched that? Um, oh, okay. It, and the and the Pope says, keep it quiet. And they're like, yeah, we would be embarrassed if people knew that this happened without our knowledge. And it does get, I mean, eventually the world does find out, mm-hmm. right? So at that point, they could let it out, I guess. Uh, anyway, I guess what I'm saying, it's, it's not so disbelievable to me that it could happen. It is stretching belief a little bit that the jesuits would be able to pull it off but she connects the dots for you she says it was this thing that happened plus this mm-hmm, thing plus mm-hmm. this thing and that's how they were able to pull it off so i mean i understand how they got the secret knowledge of the of the signal i understand the influences that the jesuits could plausibly have but there was this no team together there was
0: no secret knowledge i mean they just well the, everyone uh, knew that the, signal came out the whole world was talking about but it but the
1: jesuits knew about it before the rest of the world because okay. they were they were in on it the moment it was discovered, so they had the jump I guess is what I'm saying.
0: All right, well, fair enough. Let's uh let's talk about one of the uh, posters on our threads about the sparrow. Um, this one came from uh, Barack. Opening the document comes from Barack. Um, and I thought the the uh, the main crux of his discussion, uh, he was disappointed with the ending. He says, it's not just that the final two chapters squeeze all this resolution into them. It's also that many significant events are over so quickly, it's almost like they're mentioned in passing. This is all that's said about the deaths of three major characters. Perhaps a third of the Vakanashi were killed, maybe more. And Sophia, and Jimmy, and George. Then the gang rape, that terrible disaster that transforms Emilio into the broken, haunted man we meet in 2060. All of that is described brutally, but succinctly. We're given no time to absorb the changes it wrought in him. No time to reflect on how that terrible thing echoes through the person he'd become. A lot of time is devoted to demonstrating just how hard it's been to get Emilio to open up regarding what happened in Ruckat. Um, I also understand how the floodgates can open in situations such as this, how everything sort of comes out at once. Um... Yeah, I mean, there was a lot, definitely a lot of time spent on his recovery and his um, rehab, but not a lot of time really spent on the actual events. And maybe we don't want to dwell on that. I mean, maybe that's, you know, that's pretty intense to really go heavily into detail throughout the whole book. But I did, I do agree that all the deaths of all these characters we've come to know so intimately happened just so offhandedly and so suddenly
1: But to me, and and I totally understand the the criticism, to me that's what makes it work because as a reader you feel that meaningless and powerlessness of those deaths because they are Mm -hmm. done so quickly. And I think if you had dwelled on them more or described them more, given you their perspective, you wouldn't have had that side of it. And I really, I really thought that was a, a bold risk for her to take that worked for me. Maybe it didn't work for you, in which case that you're going to have a different opinion. But well, I for mean, me, uh, I, was, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm Sandoz who's finding this out without being able to do anything about it or seeing it actually happen. It's just, it's like what happens sometimes people die and they're dead and you didn't yeah. get to say goodbye and you didn't get to see them die. and You didn't get any of that resolution. And that's what helps build up his breakdown.
0: That's actually exactly what I was just about to say. Uh, how, you know, when do we ever get to have that resolution? Um, so I think uh, in that regard, it it makes perfect sense. Um, it's just, you, you know, you're not used to really having that in a book, I think. I think in a book, you're given so often the opportunity to kind of have your closure or have your meaning or know why something has happened. And rarely do we just get a character. Like, how? when's the last time you've just read a book where a main character just dies like just dies.
1: George R. R. Martin. Like, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, yes. I mean, sometimes in George R. R. Martin books. I, off I mean, screen,
1: that that one's the only one I can think of right now off the top of my head.
0: And like a PO a POV character yeah. just dies off screen and you just have no like there's no real no, And even narrative no reason spoilers, for
1: it. But even the person we're talking about in Game of Thrones in, in the in the first book you get to you you get to see it right it's not mm-hmm. off screen there are some that are off screen but i suppose but there are some yeah i think some
0: yeah. were led to assume have happened even off if they page. haven't necessarily yeah. happened off page um so yeah it's it's a different it's a different perspective i think and
1: now he satisfying for he, obvious reasons he also makes the criticism that once he tells the story everything's fine i i didn't interpret it that way i didn't interpret it that sandoz was like all all better now i got the story off my chest and everything's fine i mean i felt like he was still very troubled uh, yeah but he was better he was at least functional because he had been made to tell the story and i think well, it's that's like the believable. healing
0: process has begun yeah. you know he's finally gotten over that hurdle of saying it out loud and i really liked that um you know when when the father superior is 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 um, saying like you know if you if he was a writer I would have made him write it if he was an artist I would have made him paint it but you know he's a, a linguist mm-hmm. so he has to say it he has to verbalize it to to make it real.
1: And I think the other thing is, I also agree with Barack that I wanted more of the ending story uh, of the march of the Vakashani. Uh, I, I I don't want more of the torture and, and degradation necessarily because I don't want to have to uh, live through that with Sandoz. But I also agree that that story did seem compressed. Mm-hmm. But I suppose the reason for that is this story isn't about those events. This story is about Sandoz recovery. And And so that's why we actually spend a lot of time on the effects of those events. To the point where you could you could say that the events are not as important as what they did to him, and we spend most of the book seeing what it did to him.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, man, that was that was pretty brutal. Um, yeah. So to, to put it mildly, for sure. Um, but I think it I'm was, like listening
1: to this as an audio book, by the way, and I like when we get to the part where he's in the dungeon, essentially. I'm like brushing my teeth. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, Oh, oh, God, I can't listen to this right now. Yeah, I I totally
0: had a point where I was reading. So as you guys all know, I read before I go to bed. And so I was sitting there reading and I was just like with the Kindle, like in front of my face, like, like, more when, um, when Anne and D.W. died first, that was the first thing I, I got, you know, all that happened so fast, like, all of I was in one session, and Ryan's laying next to me, and he's talking about something he's gonna do the next day, or whatever, talking about, like, oh, i are gonna pay this bill, and I'm like, I can't talk right now, like, things are happening, and yeah. I can't deal with real life, I just need to finish reading this book now, um. That's what happened. It was, you know, pretty intense. So there was that. But I guess, I do you have anything else you want to add to it? I mean, I know the sequel. So just so you know, the sequel does wrap up a lot of the stuff. It does answer a lot more questions. Uh, I'm led to believe that it deals with the healing of Emilio more fully. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to, if you feel unsatisfied or if you feel like you need to know more, the sequel is available to you. I
1: do want to read it. I don't know if I'll have time, so I don't know if it's the kind of thing where I'm going to have to make time to do mm-hmm. it. Uh, but I definitely enjoyed reading this book. Uh, I, I thought it was well-written. I thought the story was compelling. Um, and even with the few nitpicks, you know, that I might have, uh, I I think it's a really important book. And I'd been led to believe, like, this is a book about religion. Mm. It's a book about the nature of evil. It's a book about belief and faith, but I think I was misled by people who said, "Oh, it's a book about the Catholic Church or uh, stuff." That's just that's a staging ground for, a, I think, a much wider story. And I was I was glad of that. I thought I thought it was really well done.
0: I agree with you as well, and, and I think we talked about that a little bit. Um, earlier on uh that it felt the 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 religion wasn't beat you over the head with it it was a a framework in which the story took place more than anything else and you know as as a non-religious person myself i did not find it um difficult in any way or frustrating or religiousy um so you know it's it's not i i didn't find it an issue it may not be true for everyone some people may still find it an issue but i thought as a Having grown up Catholic, a lot of it made sense to me. I guess. Yep. Same here. Um, so,
1: and maybe of that perspective with is a different. Jesuit, Father Robert Ballisser, a twit, mm-hmm. is a Jesuit priest. Uh, there, not not that I saw him in any of the characters in this book, but there was a little bit of a like, oh yeah, he is that kind of a priest who you know is he. he the things that I feel like he felt were important to get across uh, were the same as that. So it felt like, yeah, okay, I've I've known jesuits so these these feel like jesuits to me here mhm
0: All right, well, I think that's a good stopping point. Uh, Thank you guys for reading along with us this month. As we mentioned, of course, Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer will be the book for February. So uh, pick it up wherever books are available, your local library. It's available on Audible. It's available on, what was that called? Downpour. Downpour. Um, So you can get it over there as well. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on Goodreads. And if you want to support our show... Over on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. We got some fun stuff for you patrons over there.
1: Patrons. Get on I'm over there, patrons. I was supposed to say patrons.
0: Patrons. patrons. I, like I to think am a
1: patron. That mis- I think if you're a, a sword donate.
0: supporter, donate. you're a
1: patron. You know, like a patron of the arts of medieval times. And if you're laser, you're a patron.
0: Patron, Donate. 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 <laughs> donate. Please donate. Please donate. Okay, I've gone too far. Alright, we'll see you next time. Bye.